And welcome again to the Employment Hour, one 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior anytime. Help at employmenthour.com is the way to go through email. We'll get to the severance pay calculator here in just a bit and all kinds of things happening. In fact, we're going to get some of the questions that uh, you get recently asked from clients about being let go from their job. That's like daily, if not hourly. We'll get to those. Uh, first of all, my brother, week that was, what do you got going on in your corner? Well, you know, what go, what's going on this week, every week, frankly, is uh, I get asked a lot of questions and I, I get uh, to help people solve some of their workplace problems. So if you're facing a question, a problem, an issue at work, something hasn't worked the way you want it, well, you know what to do. You reach out to me, you call me, you email me, let's sit down and discuss it. Let's make sure that you know what your rights are and what you could do about those problems. It's as simple as that. That's why we're here. You know, there's only so much information that we can cover on the show. Your situation may be different than what we're going to be talking about on this show. So just call me. I promise you I've seen it before. I promise you I've dealt with it before. So, so reach out. There's no such thing as a bad question. There's no reason to, to suffer and to hope that a problem solves itself. It usually doesn't. So if you're having a problem at work, an employment law issue, a uh, problem with your boss, mistreatment, harassment, discrimination, being let go, laid off, whatever it is, reach out to me and call. Mm-hmm. And to, uh, to get us revved up here on this show, John, uh, let's talk about a couple of situations that came across my desk uh, very recently. I spoke with a lady who uh, was let go from her job. Now, she had, she had made a mistake with a client. She gave the cl- a client the wrong quote on a, on a product, and because of that, the company you know, made, made a bit of a loss on the product because she, she, she gave the wrong number. The company was very upset. I can, I guess, understand sure. that. And they let her go. And they let her go. They, they, the way they framed this is this. We have cause to let you go, we, we feel, uh, because what you did is so bad that it's, we have cause, so we don't have to pay you any severance. But out of the goodness of our hearts, we're going to offer you six weeks pay. Now, she'd been there for five years. Uh, we're going to offer you six weeks pay if you sign this off uh, on this package. But remember, we actually don't have to pay you anything. She called me very upset. Her inclination was to accept that six weeks because she felt, well, I did make a mistake. I did screw up. Guilty as charged. I am. I am. I did it. It's me. It's my fault. So they should be letting me go without severance. Well, here's the thing, John. Yes, she made a mistake. Not even a question she did. She shouldn't have made that mistake. But it did not rise to the level of cause. Remember, and our regular listeners will know this that causes the death penalty. It's the worst punishment yeah. for the worst offense. And what she did, even though it was a mistake, that did not rise to that level. It wasn't something that allowed the company to let her go for cause. And if they let her go, she gets her full severance. They don't get a discount because she screwed up. Either they have cause at 100% or they don't have it at all. So for her five years of employment, she was in a sales role. She was in her 40s. I assessed her as being owed around eight months of severance, eight months. They offered her six weeks, and they said that we're being very nice and generous about it. Nonsense, ridiculous, not even close. So I'm going to help her get her severance, and I wanted everyone to, to remember this and to remind everyone that just because you made a mistake, number one, doesn't mean you don't get severance. You get severance, okay, unless what you did is horrible, awful. You get severance, and if you get severance, you get your full amount. The company doesn't get a discount. They don't, they don't get to take a, a reduction just because you made a mistake. That's illegal. That would make it a wrongful dismissal. If you're in that situation, remember what I said. Call me. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. Remember that you're owed your full severance. one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com, by the way. 
through email, what else is happening? Another one that's kind of a, a reminder. I spoke with the uh, a gentleman who was uh, uh, told that you know business is slower now, kind of towards the end of the year. Uh, we're going to lay you off temporarily, mm, yep. and we're hoping that early in the new year, early in 2019, things pick up. And if it does, we'll be happy to call you back. Uh, and you know this just happened very recently. And unfortunately, this person, like like many other people, he lives paycheck to paycheck, and he couldn't really afford to sure. be off work. So he said, "Well, what do I do now? Do I have any options?" So what I told him is very simple: that layoff, even if it's legitimate, even if it's for a good reason, is still a termination in the eyes of the law. Your employer does not have a right to lay you off temporarily. So what can he do? He can get his full severance right now. And for him, by the way, a system is being owed about 10 months pay. It's a lot of money. You bet. Uh, 10 months of severance. And then f- when he finds another job, move on to that new job. So I wanted to talk about that just to remind people that a temporary layoff, and oftentimes it happens this time of year because a lot of businesses slow down, yep. you know, around the holidays, around seasonal the Seasonal stuff the year. too. Yeah, yeah seasonal yeah. businesses or, or what have you. Some businesses pick, pick up. If you're in retail, it's a good time. But other businesses may slow down. If you've been laid off temporarily, that may be a termination. Call me if that happens before you do anything, before you uh, assume or before you uh, tell your employer yes or no. Call me. Let's talk about that because in many cases, you're going to be out severance. And if you accept it, the one time. <laughs> if you accept it. If you right. have accepted this is the first time you've been laid off, you've given them, given them the right to do it again. And next year or next month for that matter, when they lay you off again, temporarily, at that point, you're stuck. At that point, you have to sit at home and wait. You don't have a choice. You're not going to get severance. So very important to remember that and not to just accept the layoff because if you do, you may find yourself with a a part-time job or a seasonal job when you had a a full-time job before. Being let go from your job, there's always questions each show each week. I know you get a ton. We've written down a bunch of these to uh, to read on air and get some uh, some reflection, some uh, some opinion from you, Lior. We'll take a short break before that, though. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and email help at employmenthour.com. It's the Employment Hour right here, Global News Radio. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is the number you need to know and burn into your memory to get a hold of Lior, the rest of the team at the firm anytime. Help at employmenthour.com. And if you're wondering just for interest's sake how much your severance should be, maybe you're you're, you're happily employed, gainfully employed. It hasn't come down the pike yet. Uh, severancepaycalculator.com will give you the accurate number. And from there, there is also contact to get a hold of uh, Lior. Lots of questions each week from your clients through email, et cetera. Going to read some of these to you. And... Uh, and get your opinion what people are asking, answer some of these questions. So he, the one we got here, first one is, when Lior gives an assessment of a person's severance, how accurate is that assessment? And is it, quote unquote, the law or simply your opinion, what they think they should get? This is a, a common question that yeah. I get all the time. When someone calls me, oftentimes it's because they lost their job. And the first thing I do is assess how much they're yep. actually owed, how much severance. Is it two months, 12 months, 24 months, or whatever it is? And usually always then I get the question, well, you're is that the law? Is that something I'm legally owed or is that something that you feel I should get or is that something that you, your opinion is just that I should get? Yeah. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Is yeah. it an assessment? Well, no. Let's be very, very clear. Uh, it doesn't matter what I think and it doesn't matter what I, I would like for you to have. What matters is what the law says you should have. So when I give my assessment, what I assess is what the legal obligation of the company is, what the law says you should be getting in your specific circumstances. So that's why if you're owed 12 months severance, well, you're going to get 12 months severance because the law decided that. 
if it was my my decision, then someone would say, well, no, sorry, Lior, we disagree with you. It doesn't work that way. That's why when people are let go and they're offered a lot less, they assume that it's going to be difficult to get what they're owed. The reason why it's usually not difficult is because the law has already made that decision. Sure. We may just have to enforce what your legal obligations are, but we don't have to make the law. So when I give my assessment, when it comes to severance, again, it's based on your age, your position, and the length of your employment. There's some other factors, but those are the main ones. Then that gives, gives us a result, which is what the law provides. So remember that. Don't ever take less than what the law provides. And by the way, you don't even have to call me if you don't want to to find out what the law provides for you. You can simply go to severancepaycalculator.com to do that. You can do that on your phone, on your desktop, on your laptop. You can do that on your tablet. You can do that anywhere you are. Even if you haven't lost your job and are just curious, severancepaycalculator.com. And this is, I think, worth noting that this is above and beyond anything you'll find from the labor board or your ESA minimums. This is common law. This is what you wrote, and it is a much larger number. It is, and and therein lies the confusion. Right. Because your sources of entitlements, your entitlement story, I should say, come from two sources when you lose your job comes from the Employment Standards Act, which outlines your minimum entitlements, and it comes from common law, which are amounts, amounts over and above those minimums. So when you go online and you go to the Labor Board website, the Ministry of Labor website, you will find out about your minimum entitlements. You're not, unfortunately, going to find out about your full entitlements. Why? I don't know. It's silly. It's wrong. I've been fighting them for years about it. But you're not. The only way to actually find out what your full entitlements is to do some more research, to speak with a lawyer, to go to severancepaycalculator.com, but that's all that matters. Who cares what your minimum entitlements are? What you care about is what your full entitlements are. That's what we assess when uh, when you lose your job. one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com is the email. Another one here as we discuss and ask some of the questions you get asked. Really on a regular basis, this one is uh, really a lot more timely. Most recently, that is, uh, now that pot is legal, cannabis. Uh, can I be fired for smoking up at work? Uh, and I've, I've been getting that, uh, that question very recently quite a bit in light of uh, the new legalization of, uh, of marijuana uh, in, in Ontario and across Canada. So let's be very, very clear. The fact that it is legal, okay, the fact that smoking pot, owning pot is legal now does not mean that you automatically have a right to use it at work or that you have a right to come to work while you're high. That is up to your employer, and your employer can absolutely decide that they have a zero-tolerance policy, which means you cannot do any weed, you cannot smoke pot whatsoever during working hours, even during breaks or lunch breaks. You cannot do it. Well, you may say, well, how is that fair? Well, same thing as alcohol. I was going to say. Yeah, alcohol is legal. It's been legal for many, many years, but your employer is probably not going to be okay if you sit in your office uh, drinking a beer or having a glass of wine, right? So your employer can decide that. And if your employer does have a policy and you break that policy, well, you're doing so at your own risk. You may find yourself uh, uh, potentially disciplined. So remember that just because it's legal doesn't mean you have a right to do it. Your employer probably has a policy. If you're not sure what it is, ask, because you don't want to do something and find out later that what you're doing is wrong. You know, you mentioned discipline there for a sec before we break. And it's interesting. I think in the next few, at least months, if not years, you're going to get people that have possibly worked under this particular rule in their workplace. They broke it. Maybe they had a bit of a spliff at lunchtime or whatever. They're going to get fired. Is that enough for cause? Well, very good question. The fact that you necessarily did something you're not supposed to, you, you, you knew you're not supposed to, right. uh, to have a joint, but you had a joint during your lunch break and your employer finds out and lets you go, that in and of itself is not, if it's a single incident, right. if it's a one-time thing, it's not enough to be let go for cause. Okay. Now, 
If you smoked the joint and then went to drive the, the, the forklift or some other heavy uh, machinery, in other words, you actually did something that becomes very dangerous, well, it may be caused because mm-hmm. now you're putting your life and others' uh, lives in danger. But if you have, for example, an office job and you smoked uh, a joint during lunch, that probably is not good if your employer says no. You can be disciplined for it, but you probably cannot be fired for cause, definitely if it's a one-time and a single offense. More questions that you give us each week. We're getting a lot more of these after we take a short break. As we go to break, a couple ways to contact, one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com. And always check first before you sign that severance offer, severancepaycalculator.com as well. It's the Employment Hour Continues after a short one right here on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 is the number. It is help at employmenthour.com. Uh, as we get to more questions here, you get across your desk every day. This one, how is severance calculated for those who work in very specialized industries uh, where there are not a lot of jobs, say? So, you know, we, the general rule, as I've said before, is age, position, and length of employment. That right. applies when you when you get severance and and applies when calculating how much severance you're owed. So the longer you work, the older you are, and the more senior a position you have, the more severance is owed to you. Now, there's another factor, which could be a huge factor, and that is your employability. So if you're working in an industry where there's just not a lot of jobs, it's a very specialized, unique industry, there's uh, potentially not a lot of companies that operate in that field, so it's going to take you longer to find another job than if you were in a different industry, well, that could increase significantly your severance. So people that work in specialized industries, you know, aerospace, for example, there's right. so many companies that are going to be looking for aerospace engineers, as an example. Well, then guess what? You're going to be owed a lot more severance than someone else, irrespective of your age and, and length of employment. So uh, you, you, again, another reason why it's so important to get that legal advice uh, and even the severance pay calculator, it may not cover all scenarios. So sure. it's there to help and provide a guide, but the only way to actually know in your specific situation, in your circumstances, in your industry, with this economy, is to actually get some legal advice when you lose your job because you don't want to find out later that you, after you've accepted that severance letter, that you should have been owed another six months pay. That's a terrible situation to be in. You know, it, historically, we've done lots of shows, complete shows on non-competition clauses and non-solicitation clauses. So if someone has a, a contract that prevents them from, say, competing with their employer for 12 months, for an example, does that mean they should get at least 12 months severance? Well, they, they'd have an argument for sure. Yeah. If you're now, if you lost your job and uh, you can't work in an industry for 12 months because of your agreement and you, it's going to make it much more difficult for you to find another job, then you have an argument that you should get, if not 12 months, maybe something close to it. Or in some situation, it can even be more than 12 months. So yes, if there's any contractual terms that prevent you or make it more difficult for you to find another job or make it that's going to take you longer to find another job, that can impact your severance. And having a non-competition obligation is part of it. It's absolutely part of it. And your company can't say, well, employee, we are going to pay you for three months of severance, but we don't want you to work anywhere for 12 months. Right. What's ridiculous? What do you think a court's going to do with that, right? The court's going to say, well, no, that's not fair. People have a right to earn a living, to make a living, to support their family. So if you're going to impose this obligation on them for 12 months, you better pay them for it. Again, reason 2,454 as to why you should get legal advice if you lose your job. And I guess before it even gets to that point where you're worried about how much severance, if it matches your non-compete, they should 
contact you to see if the non-compete's even enforceable. That's a different that, question right? altogether. It right. may not be enforceable. In many cases, it's not. For most people, a non-competition obligation is not enforceable, except in very unique uh, industries and situations. But that doesn't mean that you can ignore it, because if your company is the type of company that's going to try to enforce it, if they're going to take legal action against you if you go work for a competitor, then you better take that very seriously. Yeah. So it's not enough to say it's not enforceable, I'm going to go work across the street because you may get sued, your new employer may get sued, and it could be a nasty, long, expensive legal battle. So you take those things seriously, and one of the things to deal with that is to make sure, okay, well, if I really can't work in this industry for this amount of time, let's at least make sure that I get my proper severance so for that period of time, I still have income. For that period of time, I can still support my family. The worst case scenario is you get paid very little severance, you can work for a long period of time, then you're really in trouble. 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com. We often talk about, you know, all components of severance. If you do get severance, that can include, you know, pay, bonuses, all that stuff. How about a company car? If you get let go, what happens to that car? So very important. Uh, people oftentimes have other components of compensation. Yep. Car is a common one. It could be pension and stock options and gym memberships, right. what have you. So the basic rule is very simple. When you get let go, all components, all components of your compensation have to be included as part of your severance. So what does that mean for a car, for example? Well, if you usually get a, uh, either use of a car or maybe you get a car allowance, I don't know, 500 bucks a month as a car allowance, that has to be included. So they either have to allow you to continue using your car for the severance period, and if the severance period is 15 months, then 15 months you have to get use of the car, cool. or they have to continue the car allowance for that period of time. Or if you do have a car, they could take the car back, but they'd have to pay you an, an additional amount of money that you could use if you want to maybe lease another car. So, okay, you, you have a use of a car employee, we're gonna take the car back, but we're gonna pay you an additional 500 bucks a month as an example that you can use if you want to lease a car so that at the end of the day, you're, you're breaking even. So when it comes to severance, it's not just your salary, it's not just your bonus, it's not just your benefits, it's really all components of your compensation. Same thing applies to your stock options, your gym membership, uh, your professional dues that they pay. They have to continue those and pay those for the full severance period. You know, you, you, may, you slipped a word in there and that was if you wish. So if you're getting that compensation, you don't need the second car. You figured out, okay, I don't have the job anymore. We're good with a one-car family. They're giving you these, say, 500 bucks a month. It, does it have to be allocated for a car? Do you have to prove it? Or it's like, no, I'm getting the super sports back. I'm <laughs> well, if you don't want to use it for a car, the, the rule is you have to give it to me. That's the Okay, rule. done. That's the law. Moving on. No, but in, in all seriousness, no. If They have to pay it, and if you choose not to use it for a car, you choose to use it for something else, that's absolutely your call, cool. your uh, right, and, and your, uh, your say. But the employer has to put you in the same financial position as if you had the car, if you have a car, for the relevant period of time. Anything less than that is not appropriate. A lot more questions coming your way, Lior. We'll take a short break. In the meantime, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com as well. We'll continue with more Employment Hour right here, Global News Radio. And right back at it, the phone to, uh, phone number anytime to reach Lior and the team, one 855 821 5900 email is help at employmenthour.com. If you're ever wondering what your severance should be, maybe you have a severance offer in front of you, or just uh, for information, just wondering, severancepaycalculator.com is the first place you want to go to check that out. We're talking about questions you get every week uh, in and outside of show hours. Uh, for instance, many superintendents, uh, they get to stay free at an apartment in the building, usually on the first floor, uh, when they work there, right? We've all seen it. What happens with the apartment if they get let go? You, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've 
been getting caused by superintendents when they've been let go, they've been kicked out of their apartment yeah. right away. Done. Either the same day, the next day, maybe a week if the company yeah. vacate. Is, is generous. Yeah, vacate because we want to give it to someone else. Well, not so fast. Remember, just before the break, I was talking about the fact that all components of your compensation have to be included as part of severance. Well, for a superintendent, the free use of the apartment is part of the compensation. Usually superintendents don't make a lot of money, but they get a free apartment, which mm-hmm. supplements that income. So so they, so they don't mind making less money because they get the free apartment. So that's part of their compensation. So what does that mean? That means if they lose their job for the severance period, they have to either get the apartment to continue living in the apartment, or they have to get an the additional dollar equivalent, dollar equivalent nice. that they can use to lease another apartment or, or whatever it is that they decide to do. So it's not as simple as to say, well, we'll pay you severance, but forget about the apartment. No, no, no. The apartment is extremely important. It's a part of compensation. And in almost every case, I've had to actually go back to the employer and say, no, no, you forgot about the apartment. Either you allow them to stay in the apartment, ideally, so that's less interruption, or if you really need them out of it, fine, but you're going to pay. And if leasing an apartment or renting an apartment like that costs 1000 bucks a month, for example, wish. you're going to pay a thousand bucks a month. Yeah, I wish it probably is two thousand. Twenty six hundred a yeah. month. Yeah, and then you're going to pay that extra for the severance period. If the yeah. severance period is twenty four months, then it's going to be for twenty four months. If it's less, then it's less. So remember, superintendents and and anyone that has these types of perks as part of their job, those perks are included or have to be included as part of your severance. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's the number, by the way. Uh, I'm going to flip it over to the employer's side for a moment. We know that uh, an employer does not have to pay severance if the employee did something terrible that amounts to just cause. You call it the, you know, the death penalty of the employment relationship. If the employer finds out that the employee did do something bad, how does the employer go about it next? What's the first step? Well, obviously, the first thing the employer wants to do is make sure that the employee did, in fact, do what's alleged of the, right. of the uh, employee. So are you sure? How, do, how are you sure? Is it something you've seen b- yourself or is it one of those things where you've heard but you're not sure? So you have to investigate. You can't. You shouldn't be taking measures to address uh, misconduct unless you're actually uh, pretty certain that the employee actually did it. So investigate. If you are sure, then depending on the uh, the severity of the conduct, yep. you have to take measures. If it's bad, if it's you know fraud, if it's embezzlement, if it's uh, violence, uh, violence, sexual assault, gosh, any of those situations, and you know that the employee did it then you probably are in a situation where you have to terminate for cause. Right. If it's not that, if it's you know some other form of misconduct, maybe it's insubordination, maybe they didn't do a good job on a project, then you probably cannot be let go. And what you have to do is take other disciplinary measures. You provide a warning. If it's really bad, maybe you provide uh, a suspension. But you can't just jump into a termination just because the employee did something wrong. Unless, of course, this is now disciplinary issue number four, uh, for example, and you've disciplined them before, you've given them a warning, give a suspension, and they still are doing it. There's a history of it. There's a history. Okay. So at some point, you're going to put up your hands as the employer, and you're going to say, well, what more can I do? I'm going to let this person go for cause. But unless you've built your case, mm-hmm. unless you've documented, unless you've used discipline in the past, you can't just go from zero to a termination for cause just like that. So 
with a serious, serious offense, yes, you may be able to let go for cause. Short of that, you have to build your case to reach that level because if you skip a step, if you terminate for cause before you're actually there from a legal standpoint, you'll find yourself wrongfully dismissing the employee, owing the employee severance, potentially other damages as well. So it's best to do it by the book. Be smart and build your case. Help at employmenthour.com and one 821 5900 is the number. You got an employee, they... Uh they want to be let go, we'll say, because uh, they want to leave with severance. It's like, I wonder if I can pull this off. Can you ask for it? Well, you know, I, John, it's a question I get often. Someone says, well, I don't want to work here anymore. I want to leave, but I don't want to leave for free. I've been working for a bunch of years. Yeah. I want to get my severance. So let's be very clear. A company doesn't have to pay you severance if you leave. Unless, of course, you leave because something happened, there's no choice. In other words, it's a constructive dismissal. Mm-hmm. But if you decide to leave otherwise voluntarily, your employer doesn't have to pay you severance, okay? The severance is paid if uh, the company lets you go. If they decide you're not going to work there anymore. That said, nothing's stopping you from asking. Nothing's stopping you from saying, well, you know, how about, you know, we all part ways like friends and I move on to a different job, but you pay me some severance. Uh, Now, the reason why a company may say yes to this is maybe they were already thinking about making a change at some point and you can negotiate with them something that's less than what they would have had to pay you down the road in your full severance. Yeah. So a company could potentially save some money. So you, you can ask for it, and the worst thing that can happen if you ask for it is the company may say no. So there's no real downside to asking. that They'll say no, you're not any worse off. Just make sure that it's clear that you're asking a question, you're not quitting, you're just asking a question, what would happen if I quit? Can we work something out? Ask for it, if they say no, they say no. Uh, but if you're ever in a constructive dismissal situation where you, the reason why you want to quit in the first place is because you're being mistreated, be, being harassed, your job has changed, that's different. At that point, we actually may force the issue. We may force the company to give you severance. If that's that's what ha- what's happening, you got to reach out to me. I guess the downside would be that if you you ask this question, the employer's like, oh, really? I didn't know you were unhappy. Damn it. <laughs> now you might have a little bad blood going Well, you on. might. You might. Uh, in most situations, if you do it appropriately and you, you raise it uh, in, yeah. in a proper way, they're not going to hold it against you. And again, if you're going to leave anyway, it probably isn't that big a deal in any event. So I always say that mm-hmm. as long as you ask properly, there's no downside to, to asking the question. Taking legal action. We'll dissect that and what that means after a short break. one 821 Email help at employmenthour.com. It's the Employment Hour. It's Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900. That is the number to get a hold of Lior's team. Anytime, help at employmenthour.com. You want to find out what your severance should be. The proper amount. Don't sign anything first. Severancepaycalculator.com as well. Uh, taking legal action. If you're doing that against your former employer, we've talked about that. Does that necessarily mean taking them to court? Yeah. And John, I, I really wanted to, to answer this question. A question I get very often. That, you know, If I come to you, Lior, and I ask you to help me, uh, you know, my company owes me money, they let me go, constructive dismissal, harassment, whatever it yep. is. Does that, the fact that we have to pursue my legal remedies, does that mean we're taking them to court, we're going to court? It's not that at all. Let's be very clear. When it comes to employment law issues, 1% of cases maybe actually make it to court. And, and there's several reasons for that. The main one is it, it's not a complicated issue, so the matters resolve. And they usually resolve very quickly, sometimes within a few weeks, Sometimes it could be a bit longer than that, but they don't go to court. Uh, going to court is is kind of 
to me is a failure, frankly. Mm-hmm. If I have to go to court, means that I haven't been able to resolve it sooner and, and the things that I put in place didn't work the way I wanted to. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes someone is being unreasonable yep. and you have to go to court. But for most people, if I'm going to put 100 people in this room and I'm going to help all of them, one of them is going to go to court. The other 99 are not going to be within 200 feet of a courtroom. So don't be afraid of the process. For the vast majority of people, the vast majority of people, we can resolve the matter quickly, oftentimes within even a couple of weeks, on good terms, without bad blood, without bad feelings, without a lot of expense. So never, ever be afraid of the process. You know, when it comes to criminal law or divorces, the legal process itself could be uh, uh, very complicated and it could be very uh, annoying even. Not when it comes to employment law. Usually the legal process is pretty straightforward, so don't be afraid of it. Plus, let's face it, it can be time-consuming, very arduous, expensive for the company, so they want to avoid that too. They want to get you in and out, pay you what you're supposed to have, and out you go. Exactly, and it's not complicated. It's not one of those situations where, you know, if they say you should be getting two months, and I'm saying 10 months, that there's really a way that they would only have to pay two months. If you're owed 10 months, they'll pay it. And once we call them on it, They'll say, yeah, okay, you got us, so here's what we owe you. That's how complicated or not complicated it is. So like I said, don't be afraid of the process. Emails, help at employmenthour.com. Chris writes in, says, I worked for a company for just under three months as their uh, Canadian head of sales, making 200 k They let me go and said I wasn't a good fit, quote-unquote fit, uh, they said I was on probation. Do they owe me anything? Well, that's that's a very good question. And, and uh, people sometimes assume and employers assume, employees assume that probation is automatic. The yep. first three months, the first two months, first six months. No, it's no, there's no such thing as automatic probation. Probation has to be created by an employment agreement. The only time you're actually on probation is if you sign an employment agreement that says two things. You're on probation, number one. And number two, during that probationary period, they can let you go without any compensation. So in this situation, if he signed a document that does that, that allows the company to let him go, let's say, in the first three months without any compensation, then yes, he's on probation and he may well not be owed anything. But if he didn't sign that, the fact that he's been, been there for two months or three months does not mean he doesn't get severance. Not only that, let me actually give you a sense as to how much severance he's owed. We know he's only worked there for a few months. He's obviously in a senior position making $200,000. That's a very nice income. We don't know how old he is, but... Just based on those factors, I can tell you he probably will be owed anywhere from three to six months of pay. And if he's older, it could even be more than that. Okay, so that's why you need to make sure what you what you sign, because don't you can't assume if you were to assume he's getting uh, he's on probation, he'll think I'm not getting anything. I'm walking away when he could be owed six months at two hundred thousand dollars. That's one hundred thousand dollars. He could be owed. So probation is not assumed. And not only that, when you're a short service employee, you still get severance. Even if you work for a month, for two months, for six months, you get severance. Oftentimes, that severance is measured in months, not days, not weeks. I think that's going to shock a lot of people based on his salary. And, you know, maybe possibly six months for just working a couple of months. Because he's going to get like a bag of Doritos and walk out the door. It's not the truth. It's but not a true. nice bag of Doritos. A nice a one, a very one. large bag a ba- large would be bag. nice. You know, not a prize those inside. small ones. Yeah. But yeah, most people would be shocked he would get even close to that much. Absolutely. And, and the reason for that is just because you work for a short period of time, doesn't mean it's going to take you a little amount of time to find right. another job. Right. Oftentimes, it's going to take you longer because you, you'd have to explain 
why you only worked for a few months in your previous job. That's why short service employees are treated disproportionately better when it comes to severance. So the bottom line, the rule is short service does not mean little severance. In fact, the opposite is true. We'll squeeze one more in here before we uh, take a break. Tanya writes in at helpandemploymenthour.com says, I worked for a healthcare facility for 32 years full-time as an independent, really, as an independent contractor. It's like jumbo shrimp. It's an oxymoron. Uh, says, and I billed for my time through my company. I was let go last week. What am I owed? Wow. Yeah. And, a lot of wrong you know, there. You, you lost me, so to speak, at 32 years. Totally. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Because, again, I, I, I don't need to be a good employment lawyer. I don't even need to know anything about her matter to say that after 32 years, she ain't an independent no. contractor. Okay? <laughs> it's as simple as that. She's an employee. Uh, there's no other physical possibility. I don't care if she has her own company. I don't care if she pays her own taxes. I don't care if she gets deductions. I don't care what the company thinks. If you have a regular job for that period of time, you are an employee. And by the way, even if it was a lot less than 32 years, she potentially could be an employee, but she's an employee. And if they let her go after that period of time, she's owed two years pay. It's as simple as that. Very important for her to remember. Very important for all our listeners to remember. If you have a regular job, you are an employee. It doesn't matter if you think you're a contractor. It doesn't matter if you have your own company. It doesn't matter if you invoice for your time. If you have a regular job, if you go to work, you come home, you do the same thing the next day, you are an employee because you're behaving like an employee, because the company you work for is treating you like an employee. So again, substance over form, and gosh, after 32 years, 24 months pays what she's owed. 1-855-821-5900 is that number, and we'll get to a couple more emails. You want to write one, uh, send one over, please do. Help at employmenthour.com. It's the Employment Hour on Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900. That is the number anytime to get a hold of Lior when the show is not on, the rest of the team as well. And it's help at employmenthour.com. That's the email address. Stuart used it, says I'm a salesperson that works mainly from the company's offices. I usually work 50 to 60 hours a week. I get paid a salary and never received overtime. Should the company be paying me some overtime? Very good, very good question. Now, we know the general rule, right? That is, you get overtime if you work more than 44 hours a mm-hmm. week. There's an exception to that. One of the exceptions is for salespeople that are not in the office, for what we call on-the-road salespeople. Right. So if you're one of those you know, traveling salespeople, you're in the car all the time, then the same overtime rules don't apply to you. So you may not be getting overtime after 44. But if you're a salesperson that works mostly in the office, mm-hmm. like this person, the same rules apply to you. So you get your severance if you, work, if you work more than 44 hours a week. If he says he works 50 to 60 hours, that's a lot of uh, extra hours. That's a lot of overtime that he's owed. So he's not getting what he's owed. He is owed that money, and he potentially could go back two years to get the amount that he's owed over that period of time. If he gets a salary, if he gets commission, none of that matters, okay? We simply look what he makes in, in, in a week. We divide that by 44, and that gives us an hourly rate. And then we can calculate time and a half for any hours over 44 hours a week. So it's important for salaried employees to remember. It's important for salespeople to remember. You get overtime unless you're on the road all the time, uh, and anything less than that is not right. You can call me. You can go to the Ministry of Labor for overtime. But don't, get, don't, don't walk away from money that, again, you should have. Going to uh, jump into the murky waters of the employment contract here. Jordan's up next. He says, the company where I worked for more than seven years presented me with a new contract. It changes my compensation and job responsibilities. They say that unless I sign within a week, they will consider me as having resigned. What are my rights? Well, again, I haven't seen the contract, but I bet you it does more than just that. I bet you it also 
has a termination clause that limits your future severance. It eventually also gives the company the right to lay you off temporarily. So you're right to be concerned. Don't sign an employment agreement that takes away your rights. Don't sign an employment agreement that's going to cost you a lot of money. Every time you're already working and out of the blue, your employer comes to you and says, here's an employment agreement for you to sign. Be concerned. Be very concerned because it's almost always going to be bad news. So what happens if you don't sign? Nothing. Literally nothing happens. You haven't resigned. You can't be fired for cause. You have a right to say no. You have a right to say, I'm not going to sign. I'm perfectly happy with my current terms of employment. Thank you very much. And they can't do anything to you. And if they try to say, well, you didn't sign, so you've resigned. No, 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 no. That's a wrongful dismissal. You're going to be owed your full compensation, your full severance, potentially also additional bad faith damages. So be concerned. Call me. Let me actually see the agreement. Let me tell you what it means. Let me tell you if you should be concerned about it and how concerned about it you should be. Uh, let's not sign something that later on is going to cost us a lot of money. If you do sign it, uh, because if it does look, you know, it looks okay. Maybe there's some perks in there for you as well. It's attractive, we'll say. It, do they have to give you something for signing it? And if they do, is it legally binding? Or if they don't, is it even legally binding? If you sign an employment agreement, you don't get anything in return for signing. In most cases, it's not even going to be worth the paper it's written on. You have to get something in return for signing, a signing bonus, an extra day's vacation, whatever it is, something extra. Mm. That said, I always believe that just because something may not be enforceable doesn't mean we should sign it. Take the, the smart approach, take the, uh, the, the conservative approach, and that is let's assume that if I actually put my signature on it, it's enforceable. And if I can't live with it, if I'm not happy with what this agreement does, I shouldn't sign it. If you did end up signing it and we need to get around it, then call me. We may be able to get out of it. But the, the, the smart approach, the approach that I always advocate is if you sign it, you have to be prepared to live with it. If you're a current employee and they come to you with a new employment agreement that puts you on probation, is that even, can they do that? Absolutely not. That, that's silly. And again, why would you ever even agree to that? Totally. If you're already working, don't do that. Don't sign anything that puts you on probation. Usually it's simply a way for a company to try to let you go by paying you mm -hmm. less than what they would owe you down the road. Be smarter than that. Anytime you're offered a new employment agreement, anytime you're asked to sign something at your job, call me. Let me read it. Let me see what it says. You can't just sign off on it. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. we got a couple minutes. Slide in uh, one final email. We'll get to, uh, to Barry here. He says, a few years ago, I doctored a few expense reports so that I could get paid faster. The company found out about it and then told me not to do it again. Last week, I had a disagreement with my boss and I was fired for cause a day later. They say that one of the reasons I'm fired is because of those expense reports. Is that right? Can they do that? Nonsense. So he did something wrong, clearly. Uh, he sh you shouldn't doctor expenses. And, but we moved past that. We moved past that. They figured it out. They moved past it. They can't, the company can't back, come back later and say, ah, you know what? This thing you did six months ago, now we're going to let you go right. because of it. No, they can't double discipline or they can't uh, deal with it again retroactively. So if you did something wrong, the company dealt with it. If you did something wrong and the company either punished you, told you don't worry about it, whatever it is, you guys figured it out, it's it. It's over. It's done with. Down the road, they can't use that as an excuse to do something to you, to discipline you, to let you go, to demote you. Okay, That's just an excuse and the law is smarter than that. So if you did something wrong, you shouldn't. But if you did, the problem has been resolved. It's done. It's over with. We move on. They can't come back and use that against you. A good show, and we're done for another week. you got some time to uh, send an email, please do. So ask any questions. Help at employmenthour.com. There's also the phone, one 855 
821-5900, and we've been hammering it home for years now. You should use it like 550,000 other people. To find out what you should be paid, what you're owed, what you're actually owed for severance, that is severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, the Employment Hour, right here on Global News Radio.